yet go through these kinds of dangers and you may go through them. The world may go through a series of times where this is for hundreds of years. Consider the dark ages. We have literally a period of a thousand years where everything is dark and dirty and difficult and serving God. And, you know, and there's, there's hordes sweeping the globe that were destroying Christians and killing them at random. We don't live in any kind of times like that. Christians are not ever promised that they won't go into death, that they won't have to go through things which would even be torturous and difficult. Hello, and welcome back to Grace Fairville Weekly, where today Pastor Chris will conclude this message that began a series of messages called Topics for Tough Times. He began this series by first taking a look at the topic of courage during tough times. During the first part of the message, Pastor Chris walked us through the scriptures to provide a biblical definition of courage as a spiritual confidence due to trusting in the Lord and taking hold of His strength to venture into, persevere in, and triumph over danger, difficulty, or fear. Today, he will conclude this message by sharing how to cultivate this biblical courage. So to venture into, to persevere in, to triumph over danger. See, those would be threats to our very life, our well-being, our livelihood in some essential way. See, this happens. This is certainly true in an eternal spiritual sense. People are, are dying. They're, they're going to hell. There's a, there, is, there is an eternal life at stake. And even sometimes, maybe many times, and not so much in our country, but in other places, there is, is this physical danger when you are going to present the truth of the Word of God. If you live in Iran or Iraq or you live in, in North Korea, it is very likely that if you proclaim the truth of the Word of God, that they will come for you. Either they will kill you or imprison you. And they, this has been happening ever since Jesus ascended back to be with the Father. And it will continue to happen. And people ask me, are we in the last days? Things are so difficult. Nothing gets more difficult than death. There's not too many things more difficult than a torturous death. And that's been happening to people ever since Jesus left. People dying is no indication of the final end times. It's an indication of the difficulty of the Christian life. And even people dying in great numbers is no indication of some end time event per se. It's simply indication that it is hard to be a Christian. And no one is guaranteed the escape from martyrdom. No one is guaranteed the escape from even torture unto death. No one. Never think that end times events, things like the rapture or other things, are some escape clause for believers that they're not going to have to deal with death, perhaps. Those things enable us to realize that we won't fall directly under God's wrath. That's an entirely different issue. You may yet go through these kinds of dangers, and you may go through them. The world may go through a series of times where this is for hundreds of years. Consider the Dark Ages. We have literally a period of a thousand years where everything is dark and dirty and difficult and serving God. And, you know, and there's, there's hordes sweeping the globe that were destroying Christians and killing them at random. We don't live in any kind of times like that. Christians are not ever promised that they won't go into death, that they won't have to go through things which would even be torturous and difficult. And that may happen to you, real danger. We have to have courage in the midst of it. Difficulty. Difficulty would be things that may not be physically dangerous but are really hard or they take great strength or great skill to accomplish. Courage is needed to undertake difficult things. Yes, dangerous things, but also difficult ones. 2 Corinthians 1.8. 
for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. Well, I mean, listen to Paul's words here. And we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and he will deliver us. Apparently, they've been delivered from some, first from, from spiritual death ultimately, but also some, from some great perils that might have resulted in their physical death. It says, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. There can be great difficulties, even things that don't necessarily lead to our physical death, that we continue to do because God grants us courage. And so this spiritual confidence drawn from trusting God, taking hold of his strength, which enables us to venture into, to persevere in, and to, to uh, triumph over danger, difficulty, and lastly, fear. Fear can be in difficulty. Fear can be in danger. But a lot of times, fear is the first thing that freezes us up or that, that causes us to freeze. Not even the event, not the, the actual physical danger. It's fear of what will happen that causes us to freeze. Sometimes those fears are entirely unwarranted. A fear that we don't even know will happen. Fear of things that aren't actually real. Courage enables us to set those irrational and rational fears aside. It's getting to the edge of the cliff, and the real fear is saying, look, I could die here, and yet, based on the proper kinds of confidences to overcome that overwhelming feeling of fear that dominates and grips the heart, and then stepping into the difficult situation, courage is good for all of those, for danger, for difficulty, and then for just pure, blatant fear, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, have courage, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. What's going to happen? Am I going to be overtaken by this? Am I going to get the virus? Is a family member going to die? Am I going to lose my money, lose my livelihood, lose my life? Don't anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Proverbs 28 one says the wicked flees when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Fear causes the wicked to run from things that aren't even real. The righteous man can deal with real fears and overcome those fears which are irrational. So that's the definition. Let's talk a little bit about how we gain courage. Now, most of these things, I'm going to just take you back to the fundamentals. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I just want to remind you that there's no characteristic in the Christian life that we can obtain without the basics. So I'm not teaching you rocket science here. I don't have some new magic formula. Look, these are the five steps to courage that no one's ever come up with before. I'm not that original. It's a good thing I'm not because I need the scriptures and so do you. So what's the first way to gain courage and most important way? You could already tell me. Read, study, memorize, and meditate on the word of God. You're like, Chris, you tell us that for every characteristic. Yes, I do, because it is necessary for every characteristic. Now, there's some things that I'd like to help you with here, though. Let, let me just help you for courage. Let me help you focus on a few things in the Word of God. Maybe you're doing a year-long you know, read-through, and you're reading Old Testament and New Testament. And just you, know, you blaze by it, which is fine. Reading fast is fine. Reading a large portion is fine. In fact, it's necessary. You have to read through the whole Bible sometime, and so you might as well crank it out. But as you're doing that, look for a couple of things if you're going to grow in courage. The character of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, they, 
They're both, they're God, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The character of God is what you are looking for if you're going to have courage. And just think, maybe in your, again, in your, in your one-year Bible reading or when you're reading over this next week and year, look for these attributes which will help you gain in courage. God's faithfulness. He's faithful. He never leaves us. He always accomplishes his promises. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. That is the enemies they would find in the land. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Look for promises and the implementation, the activation and, and follow through of those promises of God's faithfulness. Hebrews 13.5, make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you and I will never forsake you. So look for God's faithfulness. Look for God's strength. I mean, you know that's a characteristic, characteristic of God, right? He is strong, and you need his strength. You aren't strong, but he'd better be strong if you are going to have courage, because if he's not stronger than the enemies, you've got nothing, and neither do I. If he's not as strong as Satan, if he can't overcome the, the, the rulers of this world, if, he can't, if he's not stronger than scientists and teachers, then you might as well pick another religion. But look for his strength. Joshua 2.10. For we have heard. So this, this is uh, Rahab when, when the spies come to her and say, you know, what's going on here in, you know, what's the, what's the tone of the people here in Jericho? And this is what she says, right? This is a pagan people, all right? She says this, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Now, I don't know if they had, you know, the early version of, of Instagram or of Facebook or, you know, chariot block. I don't know what they had, but somehow they knew everything that had happened in Egypt. Those people sitting behind those locked doors in Jericho were quaking in their boots because they had heard of the strength of God. We heard it. Our hearts melted. No courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. This is the real deal. We got it. We've lost courage, which did what to the spies? They gained, they went back and said, Joshua, these people are quaking in their boots because our God is strong. That's the way we ought to be. Look for his strength. John 16, that I read. These things I've spoken to you so that in me we have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage of overcome the world. He's stronger than the world in every way. And also look for the places where you see God as loving provider. So as you're reading and you want to have courage, look for his faithfulness, look for his strength, and look for his loving provision. David, when he's given the promise that he will have an eternal throne and an eternal house, that the Messiah will come through his line, he says this wonderful thing in 1 Chronicles 17, 25. For you, O oh my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build for him a house Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray to you. You've just told me how incredibly wonderful you are, what an amazing provider you are, and you've strengthened my heart. Now I can pray to you knowing you provide. Isn't that amazing? When we look at the promises of God and see his loving provision made for us, it should strengthen our hearts, give us courage to pray, to ask God for help, to ask him to accomplish his work, to take hold of his promises. Hebrews 14, 16. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So read the scripture, read them all and, and, and read them comprehensively, but look for some of those things. The character of God and his faithfulness and his strength and his loving provision. Look also for the deliverances of God. They're everywhere in scripture. 
you've probably read so fast, you've forgotten a lot of them. I'm just going to give you three of them, and then we're going to talk about some characters in Scripture that were delivered. How about the Exodus? Moses said to his people in Exodus 14, 13, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. God has delivered. He does deliver. He delivered his whole nation out of the clutches of the powerful nation of Egypt. How about conquering the land of Canaan, that great deliverance out of Egypt and into the land where he saved them from enemy after enemy after enemy. I mean, you can, reading through the book of Numbers can be a little difficult, and then, you know, and, and you work your way through Deuteronomy, you kind of take a breath, and, you know, then you get into Joshua that can work your way through. But look for the deliverances that God provides for his people. And then, of course, the greatest deliverance is what? Salvation provided through Christ. But don't forget that that's a deliverance, a deliverance from death and a deliverance from fear of death. Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same so that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. I mean, we were freed from a very real issue. The devil had the power of death over us because of our sin and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. You're freed from the fear of death because God delivered you through Christ. So look for those great deliverances and then look for courageous men. I wish I had more time. I am going at some point to do a study on courageous men. But I just want to give you a tip of the iceberg. They're everywhere in scripture, right? There's men and women, right? There's just no way to get them all. How about Abraham? What kind of courage did Abraham have? He left his homeland, right? The place where he grew up, where he was comfortable. God says, look, just go. I'm not going to tell you where. And Abraham had the courage to go. See, courage, again, is not about jumping off mountains and, and, you know, and, and necessarily fighting thousands of people at a time. It's about saying, God, I trust you enough to leave everything that's comfortable with me, and I'm going to go walk into a foreign land that I don't know anybody or anything, and I'm just going to trust you. That's courage. Abraham, he was willing to sacrifice his own son. That's courage. That's an internal fortitude of heart that enabled him to venture into and through an incredibly difficult, fearful time where God says, you're going to have to sacrifice your own son. And he overcomes it by trusting in God. How about Joseph? Joseph, he's delivered down into Egypt. Can you imagine the first day that Joseph woke up in Egypt after he gets transported down, probably, probably forced to walk all the way down there by these Ishmaelite slave traders. He wakes up that first morning. He doesn't know the language. He's never been there before. He has no idea what they're going to teach him. He probably got sold on some slave block somewhere where they went and they looked at his naked body standing in the middle of a market and someone bid for him. And he wakes up the next morning knowing what in the world is going to happen. And and he woke up that morning and in courage, he faithfully began working for Potiphar. And he worked day after day after day after day until he became the steward of Potiphar's house. That took courage. How about Joshua and Caleb? 10 spies, 12 spies go in, 10 spies come out and go, look, like grasshoppers in the sight of these huge giants that are in this land. We'll never be able to make it in. We can't go. And Joshua and Caleb say what? Don't listen. Don't look at the people. Listen to God. Don't believe the culture around you. Instead, see what God can do to overcome it. Don't be afraid of the giants, afraid of the people. Go into the land. And the people say, forget it. And you might remember that two people, though the courage of Joshua and Caleb enabled them to triumph over the death of the wilderness so that only two people over the age of 20 made it into the promised land. And that was Joshua and Caleb. 
Now, Caleb is a fascinating study, but I just got to give you one last, you know, kind of the, the uh, last piece of that picture. When Caleb enters into the promised land 40 years later, he's probably about 80 to 85 years old. And when they're apportioning the land in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb shows up to Joshua, who, who they, they most likely were good friends, the only ones that made it through. So he comes, he comes before Joshua as Joshua's going to divide the land up, giving it to all the different tribes. And he says this, Joshua 14, 11, Caleb says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. Maybe, maybe he's just pretty, pretty excited, pretty confident. He goes, as my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that, that day that the Anakim were there with their great and fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me. I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. He goes, you know those cities where all those other 10 spies says there are giants there. They're too big. And God said, hey, I'll deliver you. I've been waiting. I've been chomping at the bit for 40 years. I've been thinking about the giants. I've been planning for the giants. And now I'm going to go take the giants out in the strength of the Lord because he fully followed the Lord. That's a courageous man. And he's seeing this through to the end. And he didn't give up later on. Like, no, I had to go through the desert and everybody else died and I had to go with them for 40 years and I was, you know, in pout. Courage doesn't, you know, cause you to, to pout and fear and walk away. Joshua steps to take the land or, or Caleb. How about Jonathan? Jonathan, what a great study in scripture. Saul's son, this one little vignette when, when all is lost and the, the, the Israelites are hiding in holes in the ground and they won't even come out. Jonathan, with his armor bearer, sees a group of, of Philistines up on the ridge. They've been oppressing the people. And he gets this idea in his head. The Lord obviously gave it to him, but it's kind of this wild hair. And he says this, Jonathan said to the young man who was wearing his armor, come, let us cross, this is 1 Samuel 14, 6, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. He says, look, we're just going to take these guys out. There's a whole garrison probably a hundred guys. I mean, I don't know. The Lord's powerful. I mean, he'll save with one as well save with a hundred. So we might as well go and see what God will do. Now he says this to his armor bearer. If you were the armor bearer, what would you say? Forget it. You go yourself. If you think God, if you're so confident in God that he can save by many or by few, it's going to be by one fewer. I'm not going, but here's his armor bearer. He says, do all that is in your heart, turn yourself. And here I am with you according to your desire. Let's go do it. Two courageous men. This is the kind of men we need, men and women. We'll say, look, God isn't saved by many or by few. I don't know what the Lord will do. I'm not, it's not guaranteed he'll save us, but let's go. Let's take this out. And they did. Of course, David and Goliath. David's confidence being that he, Goliath would be delivered to him because God's, the battle is the Lord's, he says in 1 Samuel 17, 45. How about Daniel? Young man, far from home, no parents, no supporters in a dominant culture, stuck in the, in the uh, temple or the, the palace of the king, renamed with a new name, given a new education, everything against him. Temple destroyed. Everything seeming to indicate that God is dead. There's no one to save. Just abandon yourself to this culture. I mean, we think we got it bad. We, we whine, and I do, so I, I'm, I'll just put that on myself. Look how bad things are getting. People don't love Christians anymore, and now it's all hard. I mean, I'm not Daniel. No temple, no people, no parents. Of the 70 uh, that were taken, maybe more along the lines of a, a couple of hundred, it appears there's only three or four of them that are actually faithful to God at all. And Daniel 1.8, Daniel made up his mind. He would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. And forget it, I'm going to serve God. All he had was the word of God to trust. Courage. 
And Daniel was courageous in that court all throughout his life. And at the end, when, they, when the king says, when the decree says, look, if you pray, you're going to get thrown to the lions and, and killed, says Daniel, continued to pray three times a day, just as he had done before, and they threw him to the lions. And he said, it's all right. His courage was sufficient. Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, everyone conspiring against him, and he continues to build. He prays and sets up a guard. Stephen, boldness to preach the gospel, to challenge the religious leaders, and they, th and they, they throw him down into a pit and stone him to death. Paul, well, it's just a little teeny picture. There's so many things we could say about Paul. But one of the things that is the, perhaps the most courageous act I can think of that he did or that I see in Scripture, Acts 14, 19, he's in Lystra. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Having one over the crowds, they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So they leave him for dead. I mean, stone, big stones, the kind of stoning that killed Stephen. Well, they think he's dead. That's how stoned he is. They drag him out of the city. They leave him to die. It says, when the disciples stood around him, he got up. Now, I would expect the next verse or the next verse would read, he got up and he got out of there fast. No, this is so sweet. He got up and he entered the city. He went right back in. That's courage. He had, there was people there, those believers there that he needed to strengthen and encourage before he left. He left eventually. They stone him to death. They drag him outside the city. He gets up and he walks right back in. I wish I had that kind of courage. Of course, our greatest example of courage is who? Our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus. Who had the courage to stare into the cup of the wrath of God that will be poured out upon him to bear the sins of all who would believe, to be forsaken by his own father. And he had the courage to say, I will venture into, persevere through, and triumph over that difficulty because I trust in my God. And he accomplished salvation for you because he was courageous. This is a brief, very brief overview. You could speak of Esther who had the courage to stand before the king who had not called her in 30 days and to go praying, hoping that he would extend the scepter to her or her life would be stuffed out like that, to go to stand before him and to make plea for her people. For Ruth, who had the courage to enter with Naomi into a foreign city to her, people she had never met, who were known to hate outsiders, to kill them and to ostracize them, she goes in with Naomi into Bethlehem and serves her and cares for her and goes out into the field of these people who could take advantage of her. She walks into the field of Boaz. And you remember that Boaz says, blessed be you who have come to find shelter under the wings of the Almighty. That's courage. And we could go on and on. So you're gonna have to read the word. That's the first thing. The next thing you're gonna have to seek the Lord in earnest prayer and thanksgiving. Okay, see, seeking the Lord through his word in those ways that I described, looking for those things. Seek the Lord in earnest prayer and thanksgiving. Prayer is like your radio communication in the midst of the battle. You've got no courage. You're struggling. You're wrestling. You're under fire. You know, the enemy missiles are coming in, and all of a sudden you find your radio, you test it, and it works, and you can call the home base. You call in the airstrikes. You know you got the power. You can imagine what that would be like. Well, prayer is your your, your lifeline that enables you to retain courage because you're connected to the command headquarters, the one who has all the power. Be biblical in your prayer, consistent in your prayer, faithful in your prayer, thankful in your prayer, adoring in your prayer. So you're going to have to spend time in the word, meditation, and application of God's word. You're going to have to spend time in prayer, biblical, consistent, faithful, thankful, adoring prayer. You have to spend time with God's people. We gain courage if we surround ourselves with people who are not afraid. We need more people like Jonathan's armor bearer that said, hey, let's go. 
You know, any friends are going to drag you away by, you know, well, we're, we don't want to do that. And what, what will our friends say? And what will everybody else say? And, you know, well, we got, you know we, we're too busy. You, you don't need families that are like, well, we're, we're so consumed with our family. We don't have time to do any of that stuff. No, you need people who will say, hey, we're going to serve God. Let's go. Yeah, we have to give up this, and people are going to make fun of us here. We're not going to make as much money here. We're not going to, yeah, it's fine. We're doing it. Let's go. You need those people. They're here at Grace Community Church. Contact them. Be with them. Be one of them as you are. You're going to have to be with God's people. You're going to have to put on the full armor of God. I'm not going to dwell on that tonight. But it says if you want to be strong, you're going to have to put on God's armor. Breastplate or belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. Sword of the Spirit. You're going to have to have those things on. Shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got to put that on. You got no confidence, no armor, no courage, no power, no courage. You need the armor. Put on the armor of God. You have to practice godliness. Practice godliness. Holiness brings strength to heart and life. Proverbs 28, 1 again. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing. The righteous are what? Bold as a lion. Your holiness paves the way for courage because you know God is pleased. And a holy life grants courage of character. Practice godliness. Oh, this one's so important. This would be six if you're keeping count under how you gain courage. View events biblically, not culturally. View events biblically, not culturally. That's Joshua and Caleb. Every other one of those spies got overwhelmed by the culture. It's too strong for us. It's too big. They're bad. They're going to get all these things. They, they wipe us out. That's You might look at your culture and think that. My professors are too smart and the scientists are too wise and the, you know, the people in the world are too strong and the governments are too powerful. No, they're not. Don't look at things through the lens of your culture. Look at them through the principles of Scripture. What has God promised? Number seven is put away idols. Depending on idols destroys courage for they can't help you. I mean, Isaiah spends half his book mocking people who would take one piece of wood and stick it in the fire to burn and to heat them and, and to make their bread, and then they would shape the other end of that wood into an idol that they would bow down to. You're not going to have much confidence there. In your heart, you know that stuff is worthless. You know it's not going to provide. It's failed you before. It will fail you again. The more you trust in idols, the less you trust in God. Ezra 9.12. When he's telling the people, look, put away the false or put away the, the pagan marriages. You've intermingled and taken the gods of the people as you've taken their wives. He says, put that away from you. He says, so now in Ezra 9.12, do not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek their peace or their prosperity. Don't love the culture. Don't marry the culture. Why? That you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your sons. To the extent that you trust in idols, you have no courage because they give you no strength and they will desert you. The prophets of Baal, dancing and cutting themselves around, around that, that empty idol that could accomplish nothing for them. In 2 Chronicles 15, 2, this fanta fantastic story, the prophet goes out to meet Asa and he says to him, listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. See, you don't need God on your side. You better be on his. That's the only time he's with you. You don't go over here and go, hey, God, I need to do this, so come join me. No, no, you go do what God is doing, and then you can have strength and courage. So he says, look, the Lord is with you when you're with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Nation was crushed by nation, city by city, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. But you... Do not lose courage, for there is reward for your work. What work was he supposed to do? 
When, a, when Asa heard these words and the prophecy which Azariah, the son of Obed, spoke, he took courage. He removed the abominable idols from the land. Look, what God wanted, what God would give him courage for was to get rid of the idols, not bow down to them. And to the extent that he did, he was lost. No courage, no strength. To the extent that he got rid of the idols, he, there was good reward for his labor. By the way, very few things that will gain more rewards than crushing idols in your own life, extending the courage of God to get rid of those things that you bow down to on a daily basis. Well, that's seven ways to gain courage. And now I need to, I'll, I'll leave you with several ways to exercise courage. What does this look like practically? So let me just give you some thoughts. On the basis of these principles, as you are looking maybe at the dangers you face tomorrow, maybe a difficult situation, a witnessing situation that you are afraid of, evangelism causes so much fear, or maybe a very hard conversation you're gonna have to have with your children, or conversation you're gonna have to have with a family member, or maybe conversation with a spouse, and you're just fearful, you don't know what to do. Maybe you're looking at the physical situation going, well, my security is crumbling here and I need to respond. I, I, I mean, it's just my physical situation, but I need to know what to do. I'm fearful. I, I, need to, I need to know how to deal with this. A couple thoughts. One, be alert to the real dangers. Be alert to physical and spiritual dangers. 1 Peter 1.13, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guys, be aware of those dangers. Know what they actually are understand the spiritual dangers of the things that are involved and don't just fear them blindly understand the difficulties first peter 5 8 be of sober spirit beyond the alert your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion know that understand his schemes be aware biblically of the difficulties that you face ascertain them properly that's for you're not gonna have courage if you're totally blindsided by everything that comes second be alert to the opportunities provided in those dangers. Be alert to the opportunities that those dangers provide. Listen to Proverbs 24.10. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Do you hear what he's saying? Your strength was given you for the day of distress. That's why you have it. That's why you've been reading the Bible all this time. That's why you've been going to a good church. That's why you've been listening to sermons not just to make you feel good every day, that enables you to see the opportunity in danger and have the strength to go meet it. Because if your strength is weak in the day of coronavirus, guys, we're, we're slack. If we're slack in the day of distress, we're weak. This is the time for strength. He goes on to say, deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter, oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs our hearts and does he not know it who keeps your soul? Now's the time for strength. Yes, there are great dangers. Recognize them and then look for the opportunities within those dangers. When I'm repelling down this, you know, I've got an opportunity. This girl needs to be saved or she's going to fall to her death. So I, I, I see, okay, that's a danger. It's difficult, but what opportunities do I have? How do I assess that? I got to go down and take care of that. That's what you start to do if you're going to be courageous. Three, take your thoughts captive. This is so important because your thoughts will bubble up. You can't do that. It's too hard. You don't know how. It's past you. No, take them captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We're destroying speculations. Every lofty thing's raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Think biblically. This, you have to be so careful. You can't operate on your feelings and have true courage. Courage is not a feeling. 
It's a, it's a biblically activated pursuit. And so you have to take your thoughts captive. What needs to be done here? What does the Bible say? What are the principles? This thought is wrong. That thought is wrong. That thought's unbiblical. These are right. Put it into practice. That's you, if you're going to have courage, you're going to have to do that. This is all part of the process. Be alert to the dangers. Beware of the opportunities. Take your thoughts captive to obedience to Christ. And you're going to have to be thinking about what you're thinking. You can't let your thoughts overwhelm you. In panic, that's what happens. Your, your emotions overwhelm your thoughts. You don't think clearly, and you make stupid decisions. Don't let that happen. Think, take your thoughts captive to Scripture. Next, plan wisely. Make wise plans to overcome the dangers, difficulties, or fears. Sometimes it's really fast in a crisis. Sometimes you've got more time to think it through and make a plan. Make a plan. You're going to deviate from it probably. It's not going to work out just like you want it. But you say, well, i got no plan. I'm just going to do something. You run screaming into the battle and you get mowed down. Get some protection. Find the best places to advance on the enemy. So you just blunder into his machine gun nest. Think wisely. Plan biblically. Proverbs 20, 18. Prepare plans by consultation. Make war by wise guidance. Luke 14, 31. What king? When he sets out to meet another king in battle, won't first sit down and consider whether he's strong enough with 10,000 to encounter the one coming with 20. Make good plans. Number five, remember your priorities in the midst of danger. The priorities are not simply self-preservation. The priorities are bringing glory to God, accomplishing his work, and caring for his people. I love this little vignette in 2 Samuel 10. Joab, very fascinating character. He's fighting David's battles. He goes out. And he and his brother are being assailed by the Aramaeans, and it looks like it's over. One of the few times in Joab's life whenever he felt like we're not strong enough. He wasn't in the position of strength. 2 Samuel 10, 9, when Joab saw the battle was against him in front and in the rear, he selected from all the choice men of Israel, he arrayed them against, he arrayed them against the Aramaeans. The remainder he placed at the hand of Abishai, his brother, he arrayed them against the sons of Ammon. They were fighting two enemies. He said, if the Aramaeans are too strong for you, then you shall help me. If the sons of Ammon are too strong for you, I'll come to help you. Good plan. He, this was put together in the midst of a battle. He didn't think about this out beforehand. Right as being attacked. You go here, do this, grab these guys, go here. We're about to be overwhelmed. Fight on two fronts. We'll figure it out and I'll help you. And you can help me. He says, be strong. Let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. It's not up to us who wins this thing. We just have to be faithful. We've got a good plan. We're fighting for the Lord and for his people. It's all we can do. Let's go after it. They won. The Lord was gracious to them. Remember your priorities. It's not about you. God's people, God's glory, God's work. Six, entrust your life in ways to the Lord. Entrust your life in ways to the Lord. Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ. What? And to die is gain. If you can say that, then you can be courageous because you don't have to worry about whether you lose your life because the lose your life will be to see the Lord Jesus. Acts 20, 24, Paul says, I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus. One who doesn't fear for his own life because he knows that life will, if it's given, will ultimately be given back by God is able to be courageous and trust your life in a way to him. Number seven, remember that it is the Lord's power that prevails, not yours. Good plan, work hard, but always remember that it is God who wins. Be strong and courageous, said Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 32.6. Don't fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the horde that is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with 
him. There's the issue. God is strong. You are not. He will give you strength. Number eight, exert zealous effort. Don't say, well, God is strong. I'm not. Be like Joab. Be like Abishai. Fight the battle. David ran to battle Goliath. He didn't say, well, I'll just wait till God takes him out. Joseph worked diligently. He said, well, I'll just wait till Potiphar confers riches on me. Daniel prayed all night. Paul labored night and day. Proverbs 26, 13, the sluggard says, there's a line in the road, a line in the open square. The sluggard who doesn't work is always afraid. The one who exerts godly effort overcomes fear with courage, even though you know it's the Lord's strength, even though he gets all the credit, because that's number nine. Give the Lord all the credit. You will, by the Lord's grace, win the battles he has for you. And when that happens, Jeremiah 9, 23, says, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. And then the last thing, and this is so important, I leave you here. Because what's going to happen is you think, okay, Chris, this is great. I want to be courageous. I want to do all these things. I see all this. I've actually known all that. You didn't really teach me anything new tonight. But I've failed, and I'm done. I'm done. I failed multitude of ways. I failed my family. I failed my friends. I blew it with sin. I'm finished. I got no courage because I failed. Rule number 10, don't let failure sap your courage. Why? Because there is always recourse with God. There is always forgiveness. And as there is his presence, preservation, and forgiveness, you always have power. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Even when you fail, Get up and move on in courage. It's this fascinating thing that Samuel says to the people after they've committed this great evil of wanting a king. He says to the people, don't fear. You've committed all this evil, yet don't turn aside from following the Lord. Serve him for, with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which would not profit or deliver. For the Lord will not abandon his people on the account of his great name. You're not done. Your failure doesn't mean you can't continue on in courage. In fact, your failure can increase your courage when you see how good God is, even when you blew it horribly, which you will and which I have, and it will happen again. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So young people, old people, everyone in the church, take courage. God is with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for the principles of your word. Thank you for these examples of courage in the Bible. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were courageous, that you persevered into the trial, through the trial. You triumphed over the trial because you trusted in your Father. And your courage took you to the cross and through the cross into our redemption so that we can have courage. And I pray that we would live that. In a day that is fearful, we would have courage for you. In your precious name. Thank you for joining us again on Grace Maryville Weekly. These messages are just a small collection of sermons that have been presented at Grace Community Church in Maryville, Tennessee. If you would like to learn more about Grace Community Church, where Pastor Chris serves as an elder and pastor, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that's gracemaryville.org. 
There not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries at Grace Community Church, but you will also be able to access a full audio archive of messages, not only presented by Presta Chris, but also messages presented to our women's ministry, our youth ministry, and our college-age ministry. We invite you to visit us online, and we hope that you will join us again on Monday when we will begin another series of messages from God's Word. 